Hey everybody, welcome to episode 79 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa, joined by the Vegas High Roller, David Mercatani. <laughs> How are you today, David? I didn't gamble. I, I actually realized that when I went to the airport, I'm like, wow, I didn't gamble at all. So I'd say low roller. But yeah, I'm awesome. But that was that was a great experience. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was awesome wrestling and got a chance to reconnect with a lot of friends and just, yeah, some awesome wrestling. So how are you doing, Andy? Doing well, doing well. I'm a little bit sleep deprived European championships uh, going on this week, along with Pan Am championships kicking off on the weekend. So uh, trying to get a couple hours of sleep here and there uh, where I can, but uh you know, European Championship is off to a great start. There have been some uh, tremendous Greco-Roman matches. I presume we will see a lot more of that when we roll into women's freestyle and especially into men's freestyle. I was counting it up, David. I think uh, three dozen 2017 medalists in that tournament, including 11 reigning world champs. And that's uh, the 11 reigning world champs. That's not even including... Sajulayev, Kinchekishvili, uh, Roman Vlazov, uh, the two-time Olympic champ from Russia who won his, who won the Greco title Tuesday morning. Um, so there are some there's some serious hammers in that tournament. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, especially men's freestyle play itself out over the course of the weekend when that gets rolling, and then uh, certainly. Pan Am Championships as well. The United States sending a lot of hammers in all three styles. It uh, will be fun to see how the U.S. performs down in Peru. So we'll have that all on track wrestling this week and through the weekend. Get it all on the UWW season pass or buy the events individually. Highly encourage wrestling fans to buy that UWW season pass. A lot of value in that when you roll in uh, everything that's available on our UWW season pass. Uh, World Championships, Continental Championships, uh, the World Cup. Just a lot, a lot of good stuff on there. Good value at 49 bucks. Plus, you also get the 2017 archives as well. So a little plug for that. But, uh, David, wow. we yeah. have... That's a, that's a great deal, man. It, yeah, like... And hopefully people will jump on that early, right? So like they can buy these things and not wait till the world championships happen. That's a great point. You know, so much great wrestling and you get to watch it as it happens instead of just watching the archives. That's awesome. For sure. So David, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Calendar hit in May. You would think it uh, might be a little bit of a downtime, uh, but certainly not the case. And a lot of news wrestlers switching places here. Austin DeSanto to Iowa, Sedarian Perry to Old Dominion, Connor Brown to Wisconsin on the high school front. Uh, the number 138-pounder in the country in the track wrestling high school rankings, Jaden Abbas, announced his commitment to Stanford. We also have a ton to recap from Las Vegas. So I'm going to throw it over to you, David. Where do you want to kick this thing off? I think we need to start with the story that you broke, and that's Austin DeSanto. I mean... First of all, not that I'm surprised at all, but great get. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you referenced it and we spoke about it, that it, it feels like it's a really good fit. You know, you and I both saw him hanging out at Iowa city during world cup. Uh, I, I read your interview and obviously he mentioned that visit and, and the vibe that was there. Uh, you know, you're a friend of mine who lives in Iowa said the Des Moines register just put up an article that projected Iowa with 130 team points. And that feels a little bit ambitious, but it sure feels like Iowa's really making a push to, if, if Penn state doesn't wrestle great to be right there and, and challenge for the title, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, the story you're references referencing is a column written by a friend of mine, Chad Lystico, former colleague of mine at the register. Uh, and I think a, a lot of that is, is looking at, uh, you know, maybe, you know, best case scenarios here or, or realistic best case scenarios. I mean, we, we have so much time between now and, and next March. I mean, here we are, uh, what, we still have 10 and a half months before the NCAA starting gate. So, a lot, you know, obviously a lot can happen. You know, injuries can happen. Weight, weight class changes can happen. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit here uh, as well. But um, 
you can project stuff in May and, and it's, it's fun to talk about. And that will be something that'll be fun to go back and look at, uh, you know, the column that Chad wrote when we get to, uh, the starting gate for the NCAA championships next March. But, uh, I think when you look at it, when you read it piece by piece, uh, none of it seems outlandish, right? I mean, you know, if you, you look at, uh, Spencer Lee scoring 27 points, if, if he did that again next year, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised there, you know, maybe some, some, pieces to the puzzle there that uh, you know, a little bit optimistic, but uh, they qualified at nine weight classes last year for the NCAA championships, all but 133 pounds. You uh, plug him into the Iowa room with uh, his pace and pizzazz, the way that uh, he wrestles and, and uh, having the opportunity to roll with Spencer, Corey Clark, Thomas Gilman, all those 141 pounders being under the watch of Terry and Tom Brands. And seeing what they have done traditionally year after year with 125, 133, 141-pounders uh, in particular will be fun to see how his career progresses uh, over the course of the 2018-2019 season and beyond. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good fit for, for him, and it's certainly a, a good fit for Iowa to, to get a guy that wrestles uh, with that kind of pace. Yeah, it, it feels like a really good move for them. And, you know, we'll get into the Vegas part, but you mentioned guys working out there or, or training partners. I mean, Max Murin had a really good tournament there as well. So, you know, I mean, that's another guy for him to work out with. And just, you know, the pace part you said, I think, you know, obviously people know he wrestled Spencer last year. I mean, we saw them hanging out. Um at, at, at the world cup. And they, they seem a lot more like friends than like they have a problem. You know, it didn't seem like there was any problem at all. So, um, I'm not it, sure there really ever I, was, yeah. but, uh, you saw Spencer like, uh, as the honorary captain of that, uh, Pittsburgh wrestling classic out there in, in DeSantos corner, right. After, after that happened two or three weeks later after the fact, but, uh, you know, I know Spencer Lee wants to win. He's talked about, uh, wanting to get more guys where he was this year. And, um, uh, you know, big step for Iowa to to get that uh, piece of the puzzle in place at 133 pounds. And uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there may be uh, maybe some more lineup uh, changes on the way there as well. I mean, Tom Brands put out a uh, little bit of a cryptic tweet uh, as we're recording it. He put out uh, here on Tuesday tweeted you know and tom brands doesn't tweet a lot but when he does it's either a uh, somebody somebody went on a tournament or uh you know some type of news uh, you know potentially about to break and he he tweeted at michael kemmer he said hey chemdog 65 you are looking big and strong so i wonder if uh, we could see michael kemmer on the move to potentially up to 174 pounds uh next season you know with marinelli staying put at 65 maybe they uh you know, cut uh, Caleb Young down to 57. Um, certainly have some other options there. We saw uh, Jeremiah Moody win the uh, tournament out in Vegas, UWW Junior Tournament in Vegas at uh, 74 kilos. Um, and then also, uh, you know, I've mentioned in the past, Jaron Glosser, a guy that uh, had a really close match in the dual meet with uh, Alec Pantaleo and uh, has posted some pretty impressive uh, freestyle wins here uh, and, and some folk style matches that uh, have, have been highly competitive against some uh, pretty good wrestlers as well. So uh, keep an eye on that. What do the Hawkeyes do with their lineup? Will we see some more moving pieces there? But uh, certainly Jacob Warner, David, did you get a chance to watch him much out there? Yeah, yeah. I, he, he's he's going to be a difficult guy to rank, you know, in the beginning of the year because, you know, his, his ceiling is – the win over Miklas, which, you know, I've spoken to you, you about this on the air. When you watch a match happen in person, whatever the result is, it feels like it has a bigger impact on any judgment calls you make over just reading the results, you know, at track wrestling. And, you know, and then conversely, you know, he lost to Woodley from Oklahoma. So that's kind of his basement, but that's a wide, wide range. But, you know, as he continues to do these other things, he's certainly edging more towards the Nicholas side of that, of that fulcrum than, than the Woodley side, but he's, he's the truth. You know, he's, he's a hammer. 
that lineup's really going to be interesting because Wilkie goes down. You know, if, like you mentioned, if Kemmerer goes to 74, a lot of times these guys that move up do really well because their skill sets, you know, the, when you wrestle in the, the middle of that of that bell curve, that when you start moving towards the ends of it and there's not as much depth, those guys do really well. And, and that possible lineup change, I, you know, makes Iowa even tougher. I mean, Spencer Lee scored a truckload of points. The only thing that would sort of make me wonder is, you know, can he pin like a Tomasello, you know, that kind of guy in the semifinals. I mean, he was winning and he would have got a major, you know, but he, like you said, he's going to be good for 25 to 30 points. I mean, they feel like they're a minimum 100 to 110 point team. Um, it's just a question of can those guys come through and can Penn State come to the pack, come back to the pack a little bit. David, uh, as we mentioned at the top, also some other big transfer news. Sedarian Perry, the All-American from Eastern Michigan, on the move to Old Dominion. Connor Brown to Wisconsin, a guy you're familiar with down there in Missouri, four-time Missouri State champ, uh, transferring from South Dakota State to Wisconsin. Good gift for Wisconsin. Yeah, and Connor's – I love his family, super nice kid, super, you know, awesome family. And you can just tell he's really close with Bono and Reader. And we don't need to go down this whole rabbit hole where, you know, when coaches transfer, you know, we feel like there should be, or at least I shouldn't say we, I feel like those kids should have free transfer privileges. But I'm glad in this case, specifically, it got to work out where he could do that. So I'm, I'm happy for him and his family. And, you know, I think uh, Connor's a hammer. I just love the way he wrestles. He just likes to go and go and go. So. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool situation for him, for sure. Anything else you want to get to before we move on to the open recap? I don't think so. Well, let's take a dive into that, David. When you look back on what transpired in Vegas, give me a couple, three of your biggest takeaways from what you saw out there. Well... I'll, I'll, I'll save some observations. You know, I know we're going to go through the senior men's stuff. So, um, you know, like on the junior level, uh, there's, there's some, there were some really impressive kids. This, uh, this kid plot out of Oklahoma is a high school sophomore. And just, I mean, he's really, really good. He, he made the finals. He beat Caleb Romero. He he's looks like a grown man and he's 16 years old. I mean, he's going to be a huge recruit. Uh, Josh Saunders from Missouri uh, wrestled as a sophomore in the 20 and unders and he lost to Gomez 14 to 12 in the semis was up eight to two and then came back and beat a Rougeau for third. I mean, that, that was a great performance and, and Austin Gomez looked great. A lot of kids that obviously the kids that won, looked really great, but I just continue to marvel at the age group stuff. And I got a chance to talk to Cody Bickley about it. And they, you know, you can tell the work that they put into these RTCs and, you know, the depth is incredible. I, you know, a guy like, I mean, like David Carr loses to uh, Austin O'Connor and then loses 10 to Teamer for third. I mean, the other thing is this, and I've said this before, there are so many good matches there. I literally think they ran like 10 tournaments over the weekend when you had the master's divisions and everything else. But you can, one morning, I'm like literally six feet from the mat when Corey Clark's wrestling uh, uh, Johnny DeJulius. And like no one's standing around watching because it's like a second round backside match. I mean, it's it's the, the quality of wrestling and there's literally like 40 mats going on. It's, it's, it's almost brain overload for wrestling. And I know you, you've been there and, and get it, but I, I would really encourage people to, to get out there and watch it if they can. It's, it's a treat. And there's, you know, there's a good seat almost anywhere. Cause it's not, you know, the good and bad of like Carver Hawkeyes people come out. So there's not always great seats, but it's Vegas. And a lot of people aren't even up that early in the morning and you can, you know, go right in and, and watch some amazing matches really, really close. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed uh, being out there a year ago, and, and to your point, yeah, it's it's totally wrestling sensory overload going on out there. What uh, 
what, 50 mats, something like that? And then when yeah. you combine the Western, yeah. you know, the Western regional and, you know, so much going on at once out there, but, uh, absolutely. The wrestling is incredible. Let's take a dive into it, David. Let's start, uh, start with the senior level, the finals, 57 kilos, Tony Ramos over Dayton fix in the finals there, two, two yeah. late score for Ramos. Feels to me like Ramos is going to have to score some more points to get where he wants to get this year. But, you know, to get by Ramos, that's also a tough nut to crack there. I mean, he finds ways time and time again to get his hand raised. What did you see in that match? What did you see from the 57-kilo bracket out in Vegas that uh, caught your attention? Well, from the bracket – you know, no disrespect to anybody else, but it feels like there's only obviously Gilman is in the best, you know, the worst he can do is finish second as the alternate, but it feels like there's only two or three guys that can really challenge him. Ramos fix and Spencer Lee. If, if he wrestles and doesn't do the juniors, you fix ran through the bottom side of the bracket. Ramos just grinded matches on the top. He, he the, the thing about Tony Ramos is the, the longer the match stays close, the more it doesn't matter who you're rooting for, the more you just think he's going to find a way to win. He doesn't panic. It's almost like he wants to be behind, you know, cause he's going to figure out a way. And there's still a lot of people that don't, that don't understand freestyle and just automatically think last point wins. And, you know, I Ramos gave up like a push out or step out or whatever you want to call it. Like the last, I don't know, eight, 12 seconds. And it's two to two and a bunch of people are going crazy. And, you know, he knows he's winning cause he's got the two and fix has two ones. Um, the one thing we didn't see in that match is fix on top of Ramos. Could he get his turn series going? You know, I had a bunch of guys tell me like fix is going to tech Ramos. And I'm like, I don't think he's going to get on top of him. You know, and and Ramos is really smart. He holds position really well. Uh, It's a fascinating, you know, final four. If Lee's in there when three of them are Iowa guys or ex Iowa guys and fix. So, I, I, you know, obviously Ramos to be the one seed. And I've, if, if Spencer wrestles, it's him and fix or two, three or three, two in some order. It, that's what it feels like to me. And he's just, he's cool hand Luke. He just never panics. And it's, it's, it's awfully impressive. And I think the weight cut, you know, he, I, I listened to his interview. He made a conscious decision to get down and he said he wouldn't, you know, talk to his kids about it when they're grown up and stuff like that. And he seems to have a, he seems to have a really cool perspective on things. And it, and it seems like, uh, a little, you know, I think, you know, wanting to be the hated guy like he was in Iowa, maybe maybe some of that Oklahoma State influence has gotten in on him a little bit, too. He's, he's a little uh, kinder, gentler Tony Ramos to talk to now. I don't know. Like, I saw a different side of him than what maybe the, the general public saw, or, you know, the general wrestling public saw when he was at Iowa. I mean, I, I think back to all the guys that have, have been really great to deal with over the course of – you know, my 18, 19, 20 years in this sport. And, uh, you know, he has always showed up and answered the questions, good, bad, indifferent. Um, been a delight to deal with from a journalist standpoint. And um, I think some of that stuff just comes from the color of the singlet you're wearing, right? I mean, there's there going to be some people that, uh, you know, you, you can be the best guy in the world and you're wearing that black and gold singlet and people uh, – you know, might not care for you unless you're an Iowa fan, but, uh, but anyway, but he, he brought it on himself with that mean mugging and stuff. I mean, he did bring yeah. some of it on himself, obviously. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think, you know, probably having, probably having a couple of kids and another on the way is, is changed his perspective on, on some things as well too. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, like I said, he's, and to your point, you know, the longer a match stays close against Tony Ramos, you just you just feel like things are starting to uh, tip in his favor. But if uh, if he falls behind by a score or two, you know, against Fix, against Spencer, against Gilman, that to me is going to be the key test for Tony Ramos. Can he come back? Can he find the points that he needs to come back and win? Fell behind 4-0 against Zach Sanders. Got uh, arm spun early on. And uh, I don't know what happened to Sanders in that he was he was 
kind of grabbing at his side uh, throughout the match. Uh, looked like he was in visible pain. Uh, something was going on there, but uh, Ramos found a way to come back and win that match. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see Zach Sanders continue on uh, from that point forward, come back and get third. Uh, you know, good job for him, I think, to to come back and, and finish third after, uh, you know, that bout. Uh, but, uh, you know, to your point, 57 up in Rochester is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So moving on to 61 kilos, David, Joe Cologne is a powder keg of sc- point scoring potential. And you combine him with, uh, combine him with Nashawn Garrett. You got uh, something that's a lot of fun to watch. This whole weight class, nobody likes defense. You know, you got like the Cody Brewers of the world and Seth Grosses and yeah, I was, Oh, I was sitting with your, by the way, Mike Zaddick says to say hello. He was sitting like, two seats over from me during the finals and we were watching, you know, watching together. And I'm like, first one to 15. And when uh, Cologne crossed over 15, I, I got a high five from Zadik and Metcalf. So that, that, that felt good. But yeah, those guys put points together in a hurry. Don't they? These guys at this weight with Cologne and Garrett and Seth Gross and Brandon Wright and, you know, John Morrison, like you just don't anticipate a whole lot of three to two matches at this weight class for sure. Not, not a heavily defensive uh, uh, weight class. <laughs> well, this speaks uh, speaks volumes just to freestyle wrestling as a whole, right? I mean, uh, you know, Corey Clark and Megalutis wrestled a 12-8 match in the round of 16. And, you know, those, you know, certainly Nico Megalutis wasn't in a lot of 12-8 to folk style matches, a lot of high-scoring barn burner matches against high-caliber guys. You know, when Nico was winning, it, you know, because he's so hard to take down, you know, he was, he was winning three, two, three, one, um, four, three scores like that. Uh, but you know, freestyle, when you got that, uh, step out rule, you know, where you don't have to get to both legs against him, it, it changes things a little bit. Uh, his flexibility isn't quite as much of an advantage as it is in folk style, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, you know, when you see those guys putting up 20 points in a round of 16 match, you know, you know, you're in for a treat as far as the bracket goes. Yeah. And he, he's gotten measurably bigger though, stronger. So, you know, Nico. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, you look at this weight like Corey Clark didn't place. I mean, just tells you like how, you know, how deep this weight is. So, uh, I mean, obviously Cologne sitting in the driver's seat, you know, and this is one where you and I were talking about this off air since Morrison placed, but also won the Farrell, since Seth Gross placed, but also won the NCAAs, and since Cologne won it, but also won the Schultz, it's a really shallow bracket at Nationals. There's only seven guys, and I have to think it's probably going to go just about the order of how they placed it at a U.S. Open, rather. So, you know, I mean, it's... I mean, John Morrison was the two seed, and he'll probably be the six seed in at world team trials. I mean, and you know, he could win it. It's just, you know, it's all draws and it feels like a lot of these guys are going to be like one move or one scramble apart. So that, that, that way it's going to, we, we talked about it, you know, a week ago that it would be fascinating and it is. So it's super interesting. Well, It'll be two, a lot of fun to watch. The two guys that are in the finals, I mean, obviously that they can put up points in a hurry. How does that play on the international level though? I mean, do, do you think that, uh, yeah, clearly you have to go out and you know you you have to go out and score points, be able to get uh, get to scores against the best guys in the world. But you know when you're opening yourselves up yourself up and you're giving up a dozen plus points, um, doesn't it doesn't end well, right? Like, I mean the defense at that level is so good. You know, like I watched a match when Cody Brewer was wrestling uh, uh, Rodriguez from Cuba, and he's up like eight nothing and loses nineteen to nine. Like you you have to defend like all these guys that, you know, even, you know, when I interviewed John Smith, he talked about as good as his offense was, he had to learn defense and had to learn, you know, how to just not let guys in on his legs. I mean, not that it happened much, you know, last couple of years in the United States. I mean, yeah, you got to be able to defend. You can't, that's a bad formula for success to go. I'm going to give up 10 points every match and, you know, but I'll score 11. It's like 
Cologne, Garrett, they're like the opposite of Ramos, right? Like somewhere in the middle is kind of where you want to be. Yeah. You have good defense, but can go get points when you need to. So, yeah. But they're fun to watch, man. And they may not no, win no. the tournament at the at the Worlds, but they're probably going to put a couple guys on their heads. I mean, I know Nation, he was supposed to wrestle in my event, and Alan Waters got hurt. And I know Joe because I recruited him uh, coming out of high school, and they're both awesome dudes. Um, and Fresno had two champs. The Fresno RTC did him and Chamberlain. So that's that's very encouraging for California wrestling, which is obviously encouraging for just wrestling overall. Good segue into 70 kilos, David Chamberlain over Hayden Heidley, four one in the first place bout there. What, what did you see at at 70 kilos? The Chamberlain match versus Molinaro in the semis, he just really controlled, you know, didn't panic. He, he's just a little crisper than he was. Like, his finishes are a little faster. His setups are like a half step better. Um, he just really wrestled well. And, I mean, like I had a buddy of mine, Matt Collum, that wrestled in the open division here, and he had Dylan Ness. He lost to Dylan Ness and Griffin Period, who both, both made top seven. And I mean, like Dylan Ness is gigantic for 70 kilos and you know, he took fourth. So and this weight's going to be loaded at the trials with Chamberlain, Jason Nolf, Molinaro, Kellen Russell, Kyle Rochelle, Hayden, Hayden Hidley, or Hayden Hidley, um, Pentaleo, Ness, Deacon, Griffin, Parrott. And then you, you manage to maneuver your way through that bracket and you get James Green. <laughs> You know who's waiting in Lincoln, you know, just just chilling, drilling with, you know, going live with Brian Snyder and and Jordan Burroughs. So, um, yeah, back to sixty one real quick. We just kind of I don't know what's going to happen with Kendrick Maple. There's rumors that, you know, I don't know if he's going to compete much anymore, but he would have been another hammer in that bracket as well. But yeah, Chamberlain wrestled great and Fresno, awesome stuff for them for sure. Let's go back to. Uh, 65 with Joey McKenna and all them guys. Oh, yeah. We skipped over that, didn't we? All right. Yeah. Jaden Ironman had a great tournament. Um, made the finals. Beat Logan Stever after being down four to nothing. And, you know, but McKenna is – their styles are so opposite. Like, McKenna is just this super sound, fundamental, don't get out of position guy. And Ironman's high flyer, cut it loose go crazy and McKenna just stayed super poised in the finals. Um, I'm going to be really interested. How do you think they're going to seed this, this weight class at the world team trials? Cause you know, McKenna's now sitting in final X. Does Stever get the one seed for being the world team member? Does, is Zane going to wrestle? What about Ironman? I, I don't, we're not going to see Yanni, which is disappointing. You know, this this thing could go a lot of different ways in terms of seating, right? It could probably go one of two ways, couldn't it? I mean, it either goes Ironman or or Zane. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, Ironman's yeah, win I, mean, and over I thought maybe Stieber, Stieber and, even though he lost to him, but maybe not. Maybe you're right. But uh, yeah, to that point, uh, McKenna, terrific tournament. Uh, Ironman, that big win over Stieber. That one was surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I love Jaden Ironman. You know, I've, I've known him and know Mike, you know, I mean, he's awesome kid. Awesome. Mom, you know, those kids down at, in Columbia, what they're doing at Ironman elite, you know, with Brock Mahler, Jared Jack Hughes and all those other guys wrestling. But yeah, anybody who saw Ironman beating Steve or coming is, is clairvoyant or lying. And I would vote for the latter. I mean, he's a really good wrestler, but it's Logan Steber, four timer world champion, world team member. And, you know, he, there wasn't any goofy calls. There weren't nine bricks thrown. He just won the match. It's a huge confidence boost for him, not only for this style, but going, you know, going back into the collegiate season when the summer's over. Yeah, it, uh, it's not like you, you catch Steber when he's in a slump either. I mean, his, his last match coming in the tournament, he beat three-time world champion Haji Aliyev <laughs> in the World right. Cup too. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just wondered, uh, like, like to me, it seemed like coming out of the World Cup, all right, you know, he suffered that loss. Uh, on Saturday at the World Cup against Japan, where he got split open uh, when he cracked heads with his opponent uh, early, early going, and you know looked looked like maybe he got his bell rung a little bit and gave up four takedowns in the first minute. And you you kind of 
write that one off a little bit, and then he, he comes back and, and uh, beats Aliyev, and like, all right, Stieber's got it rolling again, and uh, things can get a little bit goofy sometimes in freestyle. We've seen some uh, seen some wild matches, but uh, yeah, McKenna in a, in a really good spot now, sitting out till Final X, and going to be really intrigued to see who comes through Rochester and is waiting for him in Final X at 65 kilos. So who sits in the in which corner if it's Steber McKenna? That's a good question. Who coaches who? Because that could happen. You know, I wonder if they just rock paper scissors, uh, Jaggers and Tervell, and who else gets involved there. So yeah. Anyway, it was a fun wait. Seventy-four kilos, one hundred sixty-three pounds. Isaiah Martinez, winner by Tech Fall over Dan Valamont, ten zero in the finals. Thought Imar looked pretty good. Yeah, he looked great. Just all the depth that this weight didn't wrestle. You know, Nazer didn't wrestle. Vincenzo didn't wrestle. Tommy Gant didn't wrestle. And obviously, Burroughs didn't wrestle. So, I mean, you know, those guys are, I mean, the rest of these guys, like, you know, I mean, nothing against these guys, but uh, if you told me Taylor Romani was going to take seventh in the U.S. Open, I've been pretty surprised. Or Carson, you know, Brolsma taking sixth. Imar looked great, handled business, went out and, and got it done. I, it feels like, you know, the top four guys in some order are Kolchitsky, Vincenzo, Gant, and Imar, and, and those would be interesting. You know, if it, those, if my guess is right in those hold, those would be a really interesting semifinal matches. And again, whoever wins that weight is going to, you know, nice task, you know, get to, get to take a trip to Lincoln and wrestle JB in the house that he built. So, that, you know, there's, that's no bargain there. 79 kilos, match that topped it all off. Kyle Dake, Alex Daringer, 5-5 five, five on criteria. Tough call to end there, David. What was your take on that flurry at the end that decided the match? I'm a little biased. I'm friends with Alex. I originally thought it was, should have been two him and one Dake. I talked to some coaches the next day. and I think really what a, a coach that I really trust, who's been on the Olympic team, said, Freestyle is supposed to reward offense and risk. So he said, what you really have to, the the decision that has to be made by the referee is clearly Ringer took the shot. Did Dake stop that offense and then create his own technique and skill by doing the crotch throw? And then when Deringer tried to cast over, was he re-countering? Or is it the whole thing started because Deeringer took a shot? And then you factor in, well, the only reason he took a shot is because Dake, you know, was winning on criteria to begin with. I think if you ask 10 people and neither one of them root for Cornell or Oklahoma State, it's probably five and five. And, you know, but Dake gets a huge advantage. He finally gets to be in, in you know, waiting where all these years he's been, you know, the guy chasing Burroughs and, and, you know, the first year he gets to wait, you know, now the guy that comes to him gets three or four weeks rest instead of three or four hours rest. Um, I don't know if Reader's going to wrestle on this or not, but it feels like Zahid is probably the number, Zahid or Reader would be the, you know, the two guys would be the biggest challenge to, to Deeringer. Deeringer is gigantic for that weight class. I think there's a very, very, very strong chance that, you know, he goes 86 kilos in 2020. And him and David Taylor would be an interesting match. I do not see David Taylor put hanging a 10-0 on Alex Deeringer, um, as good as he is. You know, Ringer's wrestled great for the last year, winning all kinds of international tournaments, and so is Dake. And this was proof that these two guys are two of the best in the world at this new weight class. And the U.S. or USA Wrestling did a great job. They made that the final match. You know, changed the order around, and that match certainly delivered in terms of drama and skill. David Taylor, 86 kilos, 189 pounds, 8-0 winner against Richard Perry in the finals there. Thought uh, DT looked pretty much what uh, we've seen out of him for the most part over the course of the last couple of years, right? Yeah. You know, with yeah. the exception of the last couple of matches in last year's World Team Trials, he's he's been pretty bulletproof just continuing on what he did at the World Cup. Yeah. It, very – 
very businesslike. I mean, he certainly plays to the crowd. He certainly gets the crowd involved. He's very, very smart that way. But just handle business, look really good. And again, he gets to see, you know, him and Dake, as good as they've been, have never made like a world team in terms of the world championships. So this is, you know, they're they're in the driver's seat to do that. And that's, um, it's, it's really interesting. You know, and, and Taylor, I mean, someone would have to pull off an epic upset to beat him two out of three in state college. All right, 92 kilos, Jaden Cox, 2-0 winner in the finals over Hayden Zilmer. Kind of a uh, typical Jaden Cox match at the highest levels. You know, when he gets yeah. uh, into international competition, uh, does uh, enough for the most part. And, uh, you know, with the exception of the early rounds in Paris where just really hard to score on. We saw it at the Olympics, uh, no takedowns. He didn't give up any takedowns in the Olympic Games. Super hard to score on. What did you like about what you saw from Jaden? What do you think uh, he needs to brush up upon before he gets himself in preparation to make World Olympic team for the third straight year? Well, he's moving to the OTC to train full-time. I think that, you know, he's a Missouri kid. I love his family. You know, he's a Columbia, Missouri guy. Um, But I think he just needs more training partners. And... You know, so, you know, I, I knew this was this move was coming. Uh, you know, it, it feels like for his career that it's the right move. And certainly, you know, Mizzou will miss him. Uh, Heflin wasn't there. He's been banged up. I don't know if he'll wrestle in a couple weeks or not. And uh, he just needs to, you know, find more ways to get to his offense because when he's really offensive, he's awfully hard to beat. And he's so good at recountering your counter offense. Like, you know, he takes a shot that isn't perfect and you get in on him with his flexibility, his ability to do the split, his training and scramble situations with Mike Ironman. He's fine in those scenarios. And, you know, I think as good as he is at winning two O matches, I think he'd have a much better chance on the world stage of winning a seven, six match than a two one or two O match, you know, and, and I think those guys will work with him on, on getting to more offense. And, you know, quick shout out to Deron Wynn, who used to wrestle for my dad and me and is pursuing an MMA career. He took fourth. I talked to him afterwards and he was just talking about the difference in level changing and, you know, fighting versus wrestling. But, he, you know, he looked pretty good for not even, you know, practicing wrestling full time. So I was awfully proud of him and happy for him. 97 kilos. David, a guy that uh, you know well, Austin Schaefer. Winner in the finals, 14-7 over Ty Walls. Also beat Kyvan Gadsden along the way. Heck of a tournament for Austin Schaefer. Yeah, he's a great kid and kind of a nondescript career for a guy that's our national champion. You know, I guess the U.S. Open champion. I'm obviously Snyder's the guy there, but, you know, didn't win state in, in Oklahoma. Uh, we recruited him. You know, he, was, he wasn't getting recruited by the big school. I mean, I just I loved how he scrapped and he was a hard worker. You know, ended up going D2 originally and then transferred to Oklahoma State. Finally broke the lineup as a senior. Uh, he wouldn't tell you this, but he was really, really injured going into the national tournament, didn't place. Moved out, out east and just found a way to win and, you know, beat Gadsden late. Gadsden kind of relaxed and he took him down and then beat Walls and Walls was coming back and he got in that side-by-side seatbelt position hit a really nice elevator for four and Austin's been wrestling a lot of Greco and you could tell that his, his work in Greco, even though he hit an elevator, but just his upper body comfort level was really probably the thing that iced it in the match. I mean, obviously whoever wins, you know, Rochester has an unbelievable hill against going against Kyle Snyder, but you know, it, it, it's good that guys are, you know, pushing at this weight, you know, that Austin and walls and Gadsden, you know, to keep making Snyder better, it's good if these guys are getting better and better and pushing. And so I'm, I just, you know, you're not supposed to have, you know, bias, but I just, I like Austin. He's a great kid, and I'm real happy for him. 125 kilos, Adam Kuhn, 3-1 winner in the finals against 2012 Olympic gold medalist Jake Varner. It's a lot to uh, unpack from 125 kilos, starting with Adam Kuhn. <laughs> what a tournament out there. You know, to make the finals in Greco – to uh, turn around and beat Olympic gold medalist Jake Varner in the finals. But uh, I tell you, David, I, w- I was impressed with Varner, too. 
coming out wrestling yeah. is, you know, first U.S. Open ad heavyweight. Uh, I think he will be in the mix to make the world team. Yes, I agree. And, you know, he trains with Gwiz, so, you know, he and Gwiz know how close they are to each other, even if, you know, we don't. You know, Gable Stevenson wrestled really well. He was five seconds away from taking third. Um, you and I talked about how Kuhn was kind of a bad matchup for him, and that proved to be the case. And Don Bradley took third, was beating Kuhn in the semis and, and lost late. And Kuhn's cardio, the one thing you see over and over is these guys that come out of the collegiate season right away, their cardio tends to be better than the guys that have been out a few years because the, the training isn't the same. And Kuhn just, you know, got – you know, you just wore Dom down a little bit and got to take down late and, you know, but I, I agree with you. And Varner's always had a style that isn't super high volume, but really good position. And he's looks stronger than hell. I'm sure he is stronger than hell. And it, it just feels like, you know, two, I don't know, 125, I don't call it heavyweight, but he's small obviously versus for 275 pounds, but uh it almost feels like it's a better pace for him, you know, in terms of how he likes to wrestle. Interesting point about the conditioning, David. You know, Gable used to have a saying about uh, the best way to get into shape. You know what the best way to get into shape is, David? Don't get out of shape. Don't get out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm fighting that hill. I'm trying to get back into shape. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> so so uh, Gable yeah. Stevenson takes fourth place, loses uh, to Don Bradley 2-2. Yeah, he's. Uh, I figured he would be right in the mix. He, uh, you know, the match against Kuhn got away from him a little bit, but uh, heck of a showing for eighteen-year-old high school senior at heavyweight. Yeah, he's and not, and not all that surprising he's either. Questions. Oh, he he wrestled. I mean, I think a lot of people just thought like he was gonna. You know, Kuhn's a beast, and uh, one of the guys that I'm friends with was you know pointed out he it looks like he lost ten or fifteen pounds from. D1s, and I remember when I had Sean Bormet on the podcast, and he had mentioned that Kuhn cut to make 285. So, you know, I mean, not like hard, but, you know, like he'd always knock a few pounds off on, on match day or game day, whatever you want to call it. And then, so he's, he's knocked off 10 pounds or so, and it looked like he just knocked off all the, all the pounds you want to get rid of. Like, like he literally looks like he just spot reduced his belly and everything else is just as big and strong as before. So um, Adam Kuhn has to be the wrestler of the weekend. Like you said, I mean, to, to make double finals is insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, and think about yeah. what he's done here since February. Now he's got two wins over Olympic champions, made the NCAA finals, made the Greco U S open finals. He's a U.S. open Greco or freestyle champion will be really interesting to see. What happens in the short term for Adam Kuhn and also in his long-term future? Does he continue to, to pursue both? And uh, if so, you know, how, does, how does that work? How does he balance it out? What, uh, I think ultimately he's probably, probably going to make a choice one way or another, I would think. It's funny, you know, Kyle Klingman did some interviews for us out in Vegas that are up on track wrestling. He got a chance to talk to Sean Bormet and, and, and Sean jokingly said, he goes, I was a little disappointed with, with Adam. He kind of took it easy this weekend. He didn't wrestle the grappling championships either. So Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they need to teach them some jujitsu. <laughs> they can get in there and do all three. Yeah. Um, it feels like Kuhn, let me rephrase this. We don't know how close Kuhn is to Gwizdowski, but we know how far or close depending on your state he is uh in greco from robbie smith so you know it feels like he might have a better chance of making the world team in freestyle than greco but i, I don't know what do you think yeah he, he got herded around a little bit by robbie right it's not the only guy that that's happened to uh just felt sure like robbie but i'm saying it doesn't feel like yep. he might not get horse like that against quiz yep yep but uh, again i mean he, I, I can't imagine he's wrestled a lot of Spent a lot of time wrestling Creco over the course of you know the last four or five years either. So, um, right, valid valid point. So, anyway, um, as we move on to the open, uh, anything uh, from the women's side of things or Greco that uh, really caught your eye out in Vegas? 
No, I, I, I saw the article that Kyle did on uh, changing the culture in Greco that he did with Limlin. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, I, I hope it goes the way we want it to. It's just an uphill battle because it's not even the sport that we, you know, we focus on the most. So, you know, it's, it's just a tough deal. But, you know, the, you know, like some of the junior final matches like Don Demos and, and hit the guy he lost to in the finals, I mean, some of these guys, it's unbelievable. I mean, I got to be corner for Severato and Malik Johnson. They both made, you know, final X or world team finals at the, at the first two weights. I mean, and Severato especially was losing in the last three rounds. Lost, was behind in the quarters, semis, and finals and came back and won those matches. And, and as good as that kid is, you know, he's a world silver medalist. It's the first stop sign he's won. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was cool to watch that happen. The future's bright. It feels like our age group guys are really pretty competitive. It's just then they go through that stage where they're not doing Greco full time and, and the world tends to pass those guys by. Well, let's move on to UWW juniors. David, let's hit up uh, a couple of the things that really caught your eye out there. What are, what are some of the, the main takeaways that you have from the UWW junior tournament? I just think in general, like, well, like Aaron Brooks is scary. Like, you know, Labriola, you know, made the finals and Aaron Brooks just rolled him. The 70 kilo weight was just silly with, you know, David Carr taking fourth, Teamer taking third. Uh, Brandon Courtney was really impressive uh, at 57 kilos. I watched him beat Teasdale and, uh, I mean, that was, you know, big win for him. And then, uh, uh, and that Malik Heinzelman kid is going to be really good. He's still a little small, but those are kind of, you know, my observations at 57, um, 61. Like I said, I got to, you know, be involved with Josh. Austin Gomez looks like he's had a very, very productive red shirt year. He teched everybody but Josh. Uh, he rolled Ja'Cory Teamer in the finals, and Teamer walked up afterwards. He's like, that dude is too strong. That's exactly what he said, so. Um, you know, I, I think we, not we, but people in general, maybe don't give enough respect to the year in a college wrestling room on how much guys improve, especially if they registered because we just forget about them, you know? So I think that's like, I just saw that over and over that these guys that are, you know, people have forgotten about like it, like Don Demas, you know, um, he looked great in both styles. I mean, he beat G feller, uh, beat Michelle Demison. I mean, just beat a lot of good guys. I mean, just, that's kind of the thing I saw over and over is these guys that have, you know, kind of are off our radar cause they're not in our face. They're not wrestling how much they've improved. And it does tell you that, you know, that these guys are coaching these guys like all year long, even when they're not, you know, we don't see him on the mats. And then Makai Lewis uh, at 74 kilos from Virginia Tech. I, I don't know where we're going to rank him, but that dude's going to probably place next year. He's really, really good. What, what did you What did you think when you were watching all these matches? Well, the first one that, uh, you know, I think about when I think back on that tournament, 125 kilos, David. Did you see the final there? Gannon Gremmel and Brandon Metz. This yeah, is, this is what I love impressive. about freestyle. So Metz was up eight nothing, and was looking, I think, for an exposure on the edge. That that actually the, the scoreboard said ten zero. It was over, and Gremmel's corner threw in the the brick and challenged it and won. So it reversed it to eight zero, and then uh, Gremmel rolls off sixteen straight and wins sixteen to eight. I think that's that's why I love freestyle so much because you see stuff like that happen. But uh, you know, to to some other points that you made, and. Uh, Man, I, I, I can't say it enough how impressed I was with Aaron Brooks over in Athens, Greece last year at the Cadet World Championships. Just from, uh, you know, from watching the first match, and I, I've told a few people about this, he wrestled the Georgian first round, and I've never seen a guy with that kind of skill and athleticism go that hard at the cadet level. And it was constant movement, circle, shoot, circle, shoot, circle, shoot, and... I, I, 
after a minute and a half, he broke this guy. I've never seen a guy break in a minute and a half like, <laughs> like he broke a guy in the first round over there. And, and it was it was just addicting. You wanted Aaron Brooks's name to come up time and again over there. Like, comes off the mat, gets his hand raised. It's like, all right, how much longer do we have to wait before this guy gets back on the mat again? And uh, That's awesome. So enormous ceiling there. Going to be a lot of fun to watch his career unfold, but uh, he's certainly doing some great things right now. You mentioned Jacob Warner, 41-0 in the tournament for Tex. I don't know that he was on the mat more than like a minute and a half at a time uh, at 92 kilos. Uh, tremendous upside there. Kirk Fleet, Daniel Kirk Fleet, another cadet world champ, rolled through the tournament at 97 kilos. I think he's got a super bright future in front of him, too, as he transitions into the heavyweight class. It'll be interesting to see where his long-term future is, if if he stays at 97 kilos or if he continues to grow and becomes a 125-kilo guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are, those are some of the main things that uh, stood out to me out there. Good uh, – Good performance by Austin O'Connor uh, to win the tournament there at 70 kilos. As you mentioned, really deep bracket. Uh, strong showing by Iowa guys out there. A couple champs in Jeremiah Moody and Jacob Warner, runner-up in Max Murin. Iowa State had a couple champs in Austin Gomez and Gannon Gremmel. Lou Dupre from Binghamton, yeah. the winner at 86 kilos. You know, strong tournament by by him. So those are uh, some of the main takeaways for me from Vegas at the UWW junior level. Going to be interesting to see what our team from the United States looks like at the Junior World Championships in September when you get some other people factoring into the mix in Rochester. But, uh, you know, if if this is a group, it's, it's a group that's capable of going and uh, winning a lot of medals. But I think we're going to see some more hammers joining the mix. For sure, up in Rochester. I agree. Yeah, so. for sure. Anything else, David, before we sign off? No, sir. It's good to be be back home. Well, it's been a pleasure. And as I mentioned, we have, at the beginning of the show, mentioned that uh, we have Pan Am Championships coming up this weekend on Track Wrestling United States, sending some a bunch of world and Olympic medalists down to that tournament so uh keep your eye on that over the course of the weekend and also european championships loaded with international hammers there so we'll be streaming that stuff watch it live and on demand on track wrestling throughout the next week so i will have my eye on that we'll have stories and coverage from both tournaments there but uh, for David Mercatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thank you, as always, for giving us your time and listening to Weighing In. We appreciate it.